Welcome to Mindspace Minimal. We're your hosts, Daniel Ryan and Jessica Yatrofsky. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you enjoy this episode. today we're talking about modern cults. So let's start out by just reading the definition of what a cult is. We do need to define the term. Just make a little baseline here for it. So a cult is a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Mm. And the last one here says a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing. Mm. Would you agree with that? These are, these are three different definitions. Yeah. yeah. One, two, and three. It's like under the same thing. I would agree with those basic readings in okay. society that people share those basic definitions, but that... There's a, a, just a great deal of nuance that okay. we're going to get into today. And there's two other things here. So I found this little piece that says what defines a cult. And it says a religious or sect considered to be false, unorthodox, or extremist with members often living outside of conventional society under the direction of a charismatic leader. The members of such <laughs> The leader a has to be charismatic. Yeah, right. Um the members of such a religion or sect. And then the difference between cult and religion I thought was interesting. Cult is a term that doesn't refer to religion at all, but is applied to a social movement. Those who accept the beliefs and rituals are members of the religion, but many outside consider the movement and its followers to be a cult. So uh, do we like cults? Where do we stand on cults? (laughs) How do we feel about cults? I am... Uh, (laughs) I'm six years cult free. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I want to come out as generally pro, but your cult has to be harmless. You know, if if you're, that's what I was thinking. If you're doing, if you're doing harm, then, you know, not so good. First, do no harm. Mm -hmm. And obviously we're talking about this today to explore the nuance because in all the definitions you've read, there's a lot of subjectivity. There's just so much. And they even mention, you know, groups living outside of conventional norms within society. So it's basically, it's like, you know, if you break from the norm and if you seem weird to other people, and if those people think you're weird, and if you appear to be worshiping an object or figure, this language is just going to come come with the territory. And, you know, as you've mentioned, Jessica, you know, and we're talking about modern cults, we'll get into, you know, cults of fitness and wellness and religion and you know shopping and you know the the weird practices of worship that we have um, I don't mean to call them weird necessarily but you know it could be it's not beyond reason to say in the United States we worship money and we worship you know the United States is a cult of business mm-hmm. uh, so again there's just so many ways to use the language and to misuse the language. And I think it is misused a great deal. There's pros and cons to a cult, right? <laughs> I I kind of mapped out. I have like three sections. I have self-help cults. I have spiritual cults. 
And then I have health cults. Please continue. So do you want to start off with self-help cults and talk about those? Um, I've I've listed a few. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I have Est. Mm-hmm. which is the old school one. Mm-hmm. Um, our parents know all about that. So yeah. we don't necessarily need to. Yeah. We won't go too that. deep on too many of these, but do feel free to Google in any of yeah. these, do your own research, of course. But Est was a big therapeutical move, therapeutical therapeutic movement in the 1970s, mostly out of LA, but on both coasts. Werner Erhard yep. is his name. It was like, that was like his show name, right? Cause it wasn't even his real name. I don't know. I don't yeah. remember his story very well, but he was a character so for sure. They it's, usually are. It's, E S E S E S T. Yep. So that's Est. Est later became landmark form. Mm-hmm. Someone from the family, I think, purchased Est and then they kind of revised the um curriculum a bit. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's something called Choice Center out of Nevada. There's the practical school philosophy, which yeah. you're gonna talk about yep. a little I bit. I was there for eight years. A place and then, I love. And then I just thought I'd throw in um, Nexium, and yeah. and the reason why, with exception of um, the practical school philosophy, mm-hmm. you can chime in mm-hmm. if this is correct. But I pulled these up as self help cults because they're including Nexium. Yes, I actually don't know that much about it, other than the stuff I've read in the news, which yeah, is obviously all stuff. focused. On. Right. Um, yeah. The reason why I picked these up is I think they're there's some of the, well, they come with caution, right? The reason why I'm bringing them up, like I said, with the exception of the practical school philosophy, because I don't know much about it. I haven't gone there. That's why I'm going to ask you questions about it. it but it's a lesser known place to begin with, but I can talk all about that. But yes, please. These ones that I picked out are MLMs. So they're multi-level marketing. Okay. Oh, okay. So people... This is rude, but whatever. I'm going to bad cop it again. People who've done emotional intelligence training, in my opinion, are some of the worst people I know. Okay. Let's go. Wellness realness. Here we go. This is some wellness realness. I'm making no apologies. Don't text me. Don't call me friends. Don't tell me how it's been a life expander. Enjoy yourself. Keep it to yourself. Oh, so... (laughs) They often go back to, quote, revisit the same curriculum over and over again. Just for context, who are we speaking about now? So we're talking about, I don't know about S anymore because they're gone, but Landmark Form, Choice Center, and I don't know Nexium if they go back and revisit I curriculum. Don't I don't know anything about the curriculum. But what the thing is, the thing is that they do is they have, you're, you take the same courses over and over again. You right. paid the thousand dollars over and over again or thousands of dollars right. over and over right. again. And they're encouraged to do this by the owners, by the, the organizers. And I have issues with weekend transformations with promises <laughs> How about, uh, how about master classes that yeah. take place in 48 hours? I'm kind of like okay with a master class, like a yoga retreat. Now, okay, like, okay. If it's taught by a master, sure. Like, this is my advice to those people that keep going back and taking those classes and saying like, oh, you know, I the curriculum and I, I'm revisiting the curriculum. Okay, there's one thing called continuing education. My dad's a doctor. He has to take continuing education courses mm-hmm. every year to mm-hmm. keep his license or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It's a new course. My dad does not go back and learn oral surgery all over again. Okay. 
I'm going to stop there. <laughs> uh, I think that it's exploitative on that level. And this is my advice. Take an acting class. Join, Good advice. Join Toastmasters. Work with a life coach one-on-one. With caution. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's asterisks yes. on all of these. But, <laughs> asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. But doing um, an improv course or an acting yes. class, oh my gosh, that's team, such good life skill. Those kind of team building things. Um, because I think also sometimes when you go to something like a landmark form or mm. an emotional intelligence thing, um, I'm not ruling out all emotional intelligence trainings, by yeah. the way, because there's some really good ones out yeah, of there. Course. But the, you know, Daniel Goleman's original book on the subject is great. You know, so I mean, yeah. the, the pure stuff is great. Yes. So the the thing is, is that, like I said, you know, one on one things, Toastmaster, whatever, you can seriously harm yourself in these MLM programs. Mm, that's true. And you can harm other people. It's true, unfortunately. And um, and these stories exist. I mean, mm-hmm. these aren't necessarily even hypothetical yes. or new stories we need to reference. These are old stories. And that's why I'm bringing them up in terms of self-help cults because um, people, yeah, they have major breakthroughs. So I don't want to diminish growth True. and and um learning and, and and evolving and breakthroughs this all is that things. nuance we were talking about yeah. right how do we how do we separate the stories of success from those people that are right but something that you say suffering. something that you say all mm. the time like i have this written down uh, like i said before i don't want to diminish these great breakthroughs people have had in these courses but i'm just saying lead with your intuition mm. listen to your gut and like you say, take your own authority with you with always, these things. Always with these um, things. And you know what I trust? I trust psychologists. I trust... Careful with that one, too. But well, go on. <laughs> Asterisks. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. In, in a program, okay? I trust a therapist. I trust a certified practitioner. Yes. Um, and most importantly, I trust my gut. We trust knowledgeable and experienced yes. authorities. And most importantly... or I ones, said that. hopefully, too. What's that? Benevolent authority, authorities, yes. too. I mean, the abuse of power being such a constant with this, you know, when you actually have a teacher or a master who is generous and kind. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That is someone truly yeah. worth following. Please continue. And then I was going to say, um, you know, when I see people being bullied or abused, I'm out, man. Yeah. I went to art school. I've been abused enough. Hmm. I've had it. And... You know, I think with my experience with Landmark Form, they were doing a lot of classic, what is it, NLMP? NLP, Neurolinguistic Programming or Neurolinguistic Psychology. They're doing a lot of NLP. They're doing hypnosis. They're doing guided things. But they're doing the whole thing that uh, Landmark Form Choice Center does is enrollment, enrollment, enrollment. That's why it's an MLM. Uh, Nexium was an MLM. They're trying to enroll people in this so they can get money. It's so a, the same it, thing as a pyramid scheme. Yes. Okay. These are businesses, right? And there were no certified psychiatrists or psychologists, right. licensed in, social workers, or licensed social yeah. workers in the room. That they were to probably me, more in the crowd than they were leading. The yes, crowd, I actually right? I met a psychiatrist yeah. that was taking yeah. the course. This is another because his wife was in it. Yeah, this is another strange theme. Pardon my interruption. Because actually, I want to go back and zoom out even and ask, 
how do you reflect on your whole experience with Landmark now? You know, what brought you to it even? Yeah. And how do you look back on that? To Whatever you want to share, of course. Yeah. Um, but there is, and I say this, uh, as we know, I'm a professional hypnotist in private practice, using regression therapy all the time. I'm around wellness and mental health and myself have been a searcher the better part of my life. And, you know, there's oftentimes there are people in mental health who are in these programs. Um, yeah, on the, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, letting themselves be psychologically vulnerable to ideas that mm-hmm. I, I personally you know, would actually want trained, I don't know, trained people to be uh, resistant towards in some ways. I'm speaking too broadly here, though. You yeah. know, I wanna, let, let's, let's go back to your experience, please. Well, I mean, I have a few different sort of thoughts that are running through my head right now. One is that I do appreciate certain parts of like Werner Earhart's original curriculum yes. through S. Yes. Like some of the intelligence training. Yes. Um, but see, those are the things that I would love to get in a master class where I just went to a, a a little lecture about and I can bring that that stuff away or I can do a few team building exercises. But being locked in a room for three days or four days um, just felt very deprivation vibes Mm, mm. and or it was depriving me of a lot of things and Mm. like that's a tactic but that's also torture and um it's on its way to it yeah yeah and i just didn't think that was really healthy but the thing that actually disturbs me and let me see if i can make this analogy work you can help me (laughs) (laughs) at some point if you see me struggling with this is that when you think about the idea of revisiting curriculum or revisiting the work, quote, the work, are you yeah. doing the work, yeah. is that say you have a great book that you read every winter, right? Say you love Gone with the Wind, right? Mm-hmm. Or you want to revisit um, your favorite book on philosophy or mantras and you read it every season. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back and you're going to revisit it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you love it and it represents something positive and maybe you take something different away from it, right? Did you pay $3,000 to read Gone with the Wind at Christmas time? No. No, no, I didn't. So this is the issue that I have is that if you're going to revisit curriculum. Is it three grand? Some of these programs are. Okay. I didn't Um, know if that was a real number or if we're just... One of them is. I'm not going to call out sure. specifics. Got it. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, and I think it's abusive because a lot of times the people that, quote, need this help or want weekend or week or month transformation, they don't have a lot of no. money. No, that is absolutely one of the most sinister, exploitative, yeah. horrible, and now, horrible things about And now this. you're yeah. tasked at midnight to call your friends like a psychopath and tell them to enroll in this course and how it's changing your life. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. That to me is crazy making. And, but you know, there were parts of it when I took it that were funny or fun, but overall, um, <laughs> but just a little bit on I those did talk pieces. about landmark in the past a bit. Though. Yeah. So we're not yeah. completely just utterly trashing landmark. Yeah. We'll get out of this quickly. No, but I mean, it's, it's cool. Let's be honest about our feelings, but what were some of those pearls? Was the, is there anything that you heard there yeah. that you tell yourself still to this day and you're like, uh, this is helpful to me. I'm glad I have this this in my mind two things please um 
I don't know what I don't know what I don't know. There you go. Yeah, that's and a big one. And to take my own authority with me. Okay. So yeah. that I learned from you, but I learned that from you after you had to come over to my apartment and calm me down because I was so frazzled I at the end of that course. That. I was like not sleeping. I wasn't eating. I was so um, deprived hmm. from so many comforts of the world. Um, I mean, and people would say, oh, you know, that's resistance. You're being in, in resistance to whatever. But you know what? Let me tell you something. When you're locked in a space, you're mm -hmm. told you should not even leave if you have to go to the bathroom. Is not a very um, loving environment or environment that is set up to help people thrive and learn and yeah. feel just... Um, that they can trust the teachers. It's not the benevolence or the generosity that I was referencing earlier. That yeah. I, I, I would, I look for in a teacher. It's more of a boot camp. And also if we're talking about vibrational energy, we're talking about evil spirits, all of that kind of stuff. There are people in there with diagnosed medical conditions that just sign the waiver um, there are people with like uh, addictions, with um, addictions, a big one. I mean, you know, trauma, abuse, like yeah. all of these things. And you're around all of this, and you are maybe coming in also with your own uh, addictions and traumas, most and, definitely, and things like that. Yeah. And now you're watching people on a stage confront these things, and it, I think. In our day and age now, mm -hmm. the day of the trigger, There's <laughs> the a lot year to be of said the trigger. For, that, for context. Yeah, and it's the, very the 19, triggering. The 1970s too versus 2020. Yeah, totally different. That's why I said Est yeah. was revolutionary in, in time. that time period. Yeah. My Our dad, parents needed that yes, shit. My, they needed us. <laughs> my dad has said like amazing things about, he hasn't done it himself, but he's very well versed my in, in Est. Yeah. And they say, yeah, it's like coming out of the 60s and coming out of this like druggy flower power like also a deeply repressed time yes you know, we didn't talk about our problems back then yes and now we have like fifty thousand ways to talk about our problems at any yeah. given moment and, and here's another thing i'm going to throw in there i think people that do these emotional intelligence trainings these ones that we've listed it's laziness you pay hmm. three grand you go for a weekend and then you just blast your friends with all this knowledge you're making them wrong by making yourself right, which wow. is something that you learn in Landmark. It's right. just like, oh, by making yourself right, you're making them wrong or something to that effect, hmm. right? So now you're actually going out into the world with people with judgment <laughs> and yeah. you're paying for it. And I think like that to me is abusive. And I think enrolling other people to then also be abused, I think is like not right action. And so it leaves me with a little bit of um, a mixed review. Um, some people really hmm. love it because they have breakthroughs like the classic white businessman. I'm telling you, Dan, they just love this course. They love this course because it's, it's true. They, do. They, they get that deal <laughs> and they break through their barriers and, and they do all of these things. And also it, it really does to hear you say that the style, at least to the extent that I know it, and you know, full disclosure, I've never been to a landmark meeting. I have no direct experience. All my experience is secondary and based on what I've heard. But as I understand the content, it would appeal to a 
aggressive, hawkish, capitalistic mm-hmm. mindset yeah. that is focused on and it can work compi- for that. Yeah, it totally can. Yeah. I am, it's safe to say it has actually for a long time, but that could also focus on a competitive mindset and that would need a killer instinct. But it's not modern and it's not ancient. And the problem I have with it is yeah. it's some weird bastard child of Est, mm. which I think Est in its purest form was like hardcore, but really cool for the time it was in. We're not in that time anymore. Mm-hmm. So they're making alterations to this program that I don't feel are applicable to the times we're moving through. And I kind of think that a lot of the coaches that lead these programs are quite fucked up themselves. And like that also bothers me a great deal. I have. It's anonymous too, right? Isn't a part of Landmark. It's like what happens, like you you don't share much personal information or something. I can't remember. I believe so. I mean, I. I might be just mixing it up with AA. I have like my own Hippocratic oath about it. Like I would never repeat these stories. I mean, I heard some sure. really awful things. Yeah, I'm not asking you to repeat any no, stories. No, I wouldn't. I'm just I'm I'm asking, could we even find out who these landmark coaches were if we wanted to? Not that I want to. They behaved unethically. Okay. I will tell you that. Right on. And I will tell you that I had some friends that were stuck in it. And um, they have the glazed over crazy eyes. And they went through like all of the whatevers. It's disturbing. Um, I also know some people that have, that they have gone through training in Nevada with Choice Center. And they keep going back to it and and revisiting the quote curriculum and and learning new things. More power to them. That's fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm. I just think beware and, and, and also, gosh, I just don't know how to say this in a nice way. If you learn something, you move on from it. If you're going to revisit something, do it in your own time. Why are you paying three grand to revisit material? It it seems so. Okay. So here, here's where I was going to go with this. So I practice transcendental meditation. Yes. It is not a religion, right? It's a meditation technique. Yes. You do pay to learn it. Yes. But for anyone out there who is curious, and I think, I don't know, it's maybe like $800 or something like that to learn TM, mm-hmm. they offer sliding scale. They also offer scholarships through the David Lynch Foundation. So if you actually want to learn transcendental meditation, you do not have to pay a dime. Mm-hmm. After you learn TM, you never pay for anything again. From the TM program. Nothing. So any future lectures, any future, um, if you want to do a quote, a Mm check-in, you know, free. So it's basically an entry fee, essentially. It's a, it's a, a, a... Entry fee that establishes the value up front. But you're just once paying you're in, to learn in. a technique, yeah. just like if I were. That's beautiful. I, if I wanted to come to you and and learn how to do Tai Chi, and you're a Tai Chi teacher, right? Chi Chi teacher. I'm a Tai Chi teacher. <laughs> I'm gonna pay you a fee. You're yeah. gonna teach me how to do it, and maybe I'll have a few lessons with you, whatever. And it, I don't have to keep. Maybe this is a bad example, but no, I think it's a beautiful example. But Part, you see where I'm going of with course. this. Yeah, please speak more about what are the important differences, because you know, definitely if, a fair amount of people look at TM like a cult and because it's not. they don't because they don't know. They don't know. It's they just, don't know. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a 
you know, overwhelmingly positive story about my eight years at the School of Practical Philosophy in a couple minutes. But, you know, please, this is important because this is the nuance. Mm -hmm. What are the other positive aspects or even just positive, negative or neutral aspects of TM that make it not a cult? Is there an object of worship, for instance? In TM? Yeah. No. No. The Maharishi Mahashogi yes. brought TM to the West. Yes. If you want to worship him, go ahead. Which, But that's not part of it. Worth mentioning, though, too. And again, that's not part of it, as you say, which is a very important thing. But the Maharishi Maheshyogi, and I don't have the story in front of me, but he does have a kind of weird biography at the end of his life, right? Yeah, I think there was... they all do. Right, they all do. And that's... Listen, I mean, this is part of the funky, the even the, the fun aspect of learning about these characters and their history. And also, again, you mentioned education before. With education, we can separate, to the extent that it's positive and possible... We can separate the negative influences of teachers who may have gone awry mm -hmm. from the tool itself, which is presumably valuable if thousands and thousands of people are still using it today. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, I did not take the TM program. And again, I'll say more about this later. But I am trained in the same lineage of meditation. I was yeah, given so a mantra. You understand. But yes. in, 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 in most of these cases... When you go back to these centers, like I can go to the TM center anytime and make an appointment. I don't have to pay for anything. I could just right. go and do a check-in. I don't even take advantage of all the wonderful things I can take right. advantage of. Yeah. There's so many valuable courses and guest lectures that come in, and I can just go to the TM center and listen to them speak. TM has what I feel is the best marketing and branding of any of these spiritual and or mm -hmm. wellness brands out there i mean without wanting that's to sound... funny that you said that because yeah. if my, i may interject yeah. um a friend of mine posted something on instagram a few years ago that actually pissed me off and it was a a um a little board that people put outside of a store, like a, what are those like little advertising chalkboards? sandwich board? Yeah. Yeah. It was a sandwich board that said something like about, you know, transcendental meditation, like, Hey, learn more about TM. And her thing over it was like, is TM the new Scientology? And I'm like, TM is not a religion. Well, this is exactly the person I was referencing before. <laughs> who's like, Oh, that's a cult. When they don't understand, it's not a religion. No, either they're deleting the nuance, they don't know it, or they don't want to know it, or whatever. But you know, I was just going to mention, and again, like the subjectivity of this is absolute. Somebody could look at the same thing I'm looking at right now and be like, "This is bullshit." I'm totally mm -hmm. dismissing it. Right. But I loved my experience with Denmark. <clears throat> Fuck this guy. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I made a million dollars <laughs> with TM. The you have Jerry Seinfeld, David Lynch. Russell Brand and, you know, it, another, again, I could almost understand from a mind that doesn't know better why you would look at it and connect it with some, something like Scientology. Yeah. If for no other reason, just the height of the celebrity endorsement. Yeah. And, and at the same, like, these are celebrities I like. These are artists right. that doing, I like. Hey, you know, so. Scientology? <laughs> yeah. 
this is this, Tom Cruise is an American treasure. And we we're like incredulous and stammering now, but the relationship between Scientology, regression therapy, the origins of TM in the United States, these things become popular all within miles of each other geographically mm-hmm. in in New York, LA, and parts of the East and West Coast. So we should not separate these things so far in our minds. Scientology has pieces of regression therapy yeah. inside of it. It's got all other kinds of wacky shit stapled onto it by a, a sci-fi writer named L. Ron Hubbard. Mm-hmm. But but it has some practical... Well, regression therapy you know. itself is a purely positive... I mean, it's a tool. It's like a hammer sitting out on a table in front of you. You're either going to use the tool or you're not. And you want the tool to be held... Mm-hmm by the right person so it's a neutral thing whereas scientology isn't neutral at all well that's the thing i don't want to shit on religion because it's been shit on enough (laughs) (laughs) and i think that um all religions are cults and i'm not signal i'm not singling out scientology because we have scientology we have judaism we have catholicism we have uh what's the other one um well Uh, i mean i know exactly what it is i'm trying to come up with a joke right now what is it I'm forgetting the major, the, the like the most major one in the Justin world. Justin Bieberism. Um, all of these religions, they uh, let them be their religions. That's their own thing. Religions are cults. I'm part of a cult. I'm Jewish. I'm in the Jew cult. <laughs> Whatever. And and I don't. I would never call a religion out in a way where um, I'm going to say disparaging things about it. And yes. certainly, like not on a podcast because. I feel like... No, you like, do that in private. Yeah, <laughs> I do that in private. I mean, that's where I say all of my, you know, disparaging right, remarks right. about people. No, I just think it's funny that in LA, Scientology and TM got t- tied together in some weird way. And then we were making... We had this discussion the other night that it's because I think the branding is similar. Like the color, yep. the color blue that's used in TM is also used in Scientology. Yeah. And I was just thinking to myself also, what's so bad about... Scientology and what's so bad about TM and the thought that they could ever be mistaken for one another. It's just like lack of education. Scientology is a, Scientology is a religion. TM is a, a meditation practice. Let's just leave it at that because I'm just going to get really fired up and angry. So I feel like I took us on this digression. I, okay. want you, I want you to come back to now. What are the positive things about TM? Let's, let's oh. talk more about those good pieces of TM. And then mm-hmm. I want to tell some stories from the School of Practical Philosophy. Okay. Well, TM was not in our list as to self-help cults, but let's call it a cult if we will. Well, I mean, let's at least agree that other people look Would, at it okay. as a cult sometimes. Okay. okay. You know? Yeah, I can get on board we, with that. We don't. But. So the question was what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, maybe the question's already been answered. Really just any other unique or special aspects of TM that don't make it a cult that people you wish people knew about. I wish people knew that it, it's just not mysterious. Right. You just learn a meditation technique. You have it for the rest of your life. Yeah. Here's another question on the back of that. Is it TM's responsibility to make it clear? Because I, I look at marketing around meditation mm-hmm. and I get frustrated sometimes because just as we're talking about I think TM sometimes shoots itself in the foot. As much as I was just talking yeah. about how good its marketing is, it it doesn't uh, maybe it doesn't do enough to say I'm not a cult. 
No, I see where you're coming from, but like my experience with TM, I never thought it was a cult. Sure, yeah. From the very beginning, but th- yeah. but I'm also an artist. And, I know. And yeah, I, neither did I. I mean, it would never cross my mind. Yeah, and I knew that like David Lynch and the David Lynch Foundation, right. and I, I mean, and by the way, if I ever wanted to join a cult, it would be his. I mean, come on, but this is, yeah. But yeah, I think like it. my attraction to it too is that they offer it in so many different places around the world for, yep. for children for free. I mean, you could say that also about religions, I guess, doing um, ministry work. Yeah. Is that what it is? Ministry sure, work? Sure, yeah. Missionary work. Doing missionary work. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like TM could be maybe compared to religion in that way where they're doing missionary work. Um, well, but again, they're, just te- they're, they're going around, they're teaching people yeah. how to de-stress through meditation. I think this is something that is so... That could be likened to prayer, I guess, right? Likened, yes. In fact, there is a relationship there. I like it. a little quote that says, during meditation, we are listening to God. During prayer, we are speaking to God. But, you know, coming back to the nuance and the difference between religion, even just looking at the difference between Buddhism and Western religions, it's the difference between a practical philosophy, coming mm-hmm. to the school of practical philosophy I'm going to talk about now, the difference between, again, a practical philosophy, something that is behaved and meant to be taken into action, which of course the commandments are, you know, there are pieces I'm very well aware of all the Western religions that always do focus on action. And there is just a, a, a also a very complex system of worship of deities and a, a story about wise men and a manger and, you know, the, the myths and history and story of whatever did or did not happen that is recorded in the various versions of the Bibles that were all written long after Christ lived by deeply flawed people. But you think the school of practical philosophy is a cult? I don't. I think okay. other people, I think like TM, other people will oh, naturally okay. and for reasons that it's hard to even blame them for. Mm-hmm. They will look at the school of practical philosophy and for maybe just lack of vocabulary, they'll be mm-hmm. like, oh, that's probably a cult. So let us let me talk about Grad what that is now. Grad school is a cult, then. <clears throat> so please feel free to Google, of course, the School of Practical Philosophy. It's in New York City on 79th Street. That's the particular one I went to. But there's something like 44 or 45 of these schools, again, all over the world. It has an interesting history. It starts in London after World War I, a man named Leon McLaren, who had a connection to the London School of Economics. In fact, I think it may have been first a school of economics. I, I'm forgetting some of the story. It's been years since I've, I've heard it or listened to it. Actually, there's a recorded speech where Mr. McLaren himself tells the story of the origin of the school after World War I. But it was essentially, it was a room for people after the Blitz in London to get together, share tea and cookies, and talk about things that weren't the war. That's cool. That's what it was. That's how it started. It was started by this guy, Leon McLaren, and that's essentially what it was. And he presided over these meetings with a great sense of order and was pulling through a structure. Meditation wasn't even there yet, of course. Meditation wasn't even in mm-hmm. the conversation. If see, anything, I can get with that. If I anything, can... they were talking about the School of Athens and ancient philosophy mm-hmm. and things like that. Please, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I can get with that. I can get with tea and cookies, people coming yeah. together, talking. Of course, right? I'll hold on to some cans. Oh my gosh. Like, 
you know. If our city was destroyed, I think we would need that. I would do all kinds of weird things. The thing that I won't do, though, <laughs> is pay $3,000 right. to have a weekend transformation. Okay, so coming okay. to that. Entry into the school, and for context, my father was a teacher there. He started attending in the 1990s. I always knew my dad went to this school. I wasn't quite sure what he was doing there. I also knew he was a meditator. I wasn't quite sure what the relationship between the school and the meditation was. And then eventually for my 27th birthday, he just signs me up for what was called part one. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, signing up, I think cost $195. Since then, I believe it's gone down. Since then, I know for Reasonable. for seasons, if not years, they were making entry into the school free. So one of the first things they'll say as you enter, as you begin, which is a refrain, I have come to be both wary and, um, you know, fascinated by. They, they will tell you, as I was told, do not accept or reject anything you hear. Just mm-hmm. listen. Take what's useful and leave the rest. You know, don't Mm -hmm. accept or reject anything. And then they start talking about something that they call the exercise. This literally sounds like graduate school. They start talking about something called the exercise, which is a bite-sized meditation. It's just a bite-sized meditation where you sit and do a quick body scan and notice with each of your senses individually the body relaxing and what it would feel like from the shoulders down to the waist, down to the feet and back up again, etc. Two minutes of deep breaths and scanning the body. A lovely thing that is a relatively constant part of meditation that is something that the average person probably does not take much time or energy to do. So then you begin their content, their curriculum, which is essentially this progression through all sorts of subjects. I mean, you really, it's a greatest hits of philosophy throughout time and history that is held up by the practice and teaching of meditation started with this bite-sized meditation, which again, they just call the exercise, which they teach on the way in. There's no, here's some key pieces about how the school is run. There are no paid employees. Everybody there is doing what's called a service. Oh, see, Stay with me. Okay. After a year and a half, after you've been a student, you are asked to do service. Usually what that means is serving other students coffee or lunch or dinner or showing up an extra night of the week if you want to do that. All of the tutors, all of the teachers within the school are doing it at no charge. The the teachers, the people that are teaching us are not receiving any money. They're coming in to do this as a volunteer service. And these are business leaders in New York City. These are teachers, these are professors, these are artists, these are are generally people. See, here's the thing, much like in TM, there is no object of worship at the School of Practical Philosophy. I asked, I was looking the whole time. I mean, I was in my mid to late 20s. I could not have been more cynical, skeptical, or sarcastic. Mm -hmm. I was looking for bullshit the whole time. And was they teach you in philosophy. constantly unable to find it and constantly actually refreshed and re-encouraged by how the school conducted itself. 
And, you know, without wanting to put it up on a pedestal, it's not going to be for everybody. I had a very unique experience there. I probably worked with the best teachers and no doubt had some advantages just being my father's son. And he had a reputation. People liked him. He was a teacher in the school. People knew he was a hypnotherapist and, you know, the president of the past... uh, Association for Past Life Research and Therapies for a time. So he had a kind of mystique around him. And then it was like, oh, you're Jeff Ryan's son. Wow. So wait, did this, so wait, did this exclude you from serving cookies and No, tea? no, no, no. I okay. did I did service okay. very gladly, in fact. Um, in fact, part of my service for a time was to arrange the flower arrangements in the building. <laughs> and the building was delivered the most exquisite flowers You could never imagine. And I think I had some past lifetimes come to the surface of being like a flower shop owner or something. Because I would put on this, I would put on this apron, get my scissors and tape. And, you know, the vases were over here on a table and here were the flowers. And, you know, just start doing this kind of assembly line of flower arrangements. And it was absolutely gorgeous. Did you have a job? At the time? Yeah. (laughs) Was I employed? Yes. At the time I was... Tending bar. I mean, this was definitely a time in my life when I was searching for a purpose. This Mm -hmm. was before I'd opened Mm -hmm. up my practice. This was in the last years of my father's life. This was in the last years of my training as a regression therapist and a hypnotherapist before I would open up my practice. And yeah, I was playing music and doing all kinds of odd jobs, like literally odd jobs. Flower arranging. (laughs) For instance, although that wasn't paying. And then, uh, and then, yeah, tending bar and managing a bar and doing all kinds of nighttime things. That's what I would call them. Okay. So I, I was I was a bit all over the place. And I was again I was searching. This and this school was a big source of answers, actually, in many ways. Mostly what it taught me too is I was asking the wrong question most of the time. No. Uh, yeah. I I disagree. No. I wasn't there, but I disagree with you. <laughs> like, listen, the one of the things about the school of practical philosophy that I take away and continue to appreciate it for is at most turns where Scientology or I don't even know what, you know, Werner Erhardt and Est or the Source family. And, you know, we were talking about that documentary on Netflix before about, uh, what was his name? David Koresh. Koresh. Well, that's, that's Waco. No, we're talking about Jim Baker. Jim Baker. James Baker. And this is um, not to be confused with Jim Baker, the evangelical televangelist. So essentially, the School of Practical Philosophy, every opportunity there was for this place to all of a sudden become the absolutely horrible, evil cult that I always suspected it to be, it wasn't. It wasn't. It just wasn't. And... I remain, I was there for eight years and, you know, it also, it did that thing you were mentioning where you come back to the same material, but here's the thing. And I, again, I couldn't agree with you more. Of course, let's not pay a premium to learn stuff we've already looked at, especially if that material could ultimately be digested by a kindergartner, but it, the school of philosophy. And again, I, I probably had some of the best teachers there, so I was very spoiled and it did that thing that you were talking about before, too, where it would come back to previous material, but it would do it artfully. You know, mm-hmm. I, so again, I, I completely agree with you, right? Let's not pay a premium for yeah. stuff we've already learned that kindergartners could ultimately understand. 
Jessica. I have a question about this. Please. Or comment, question, comment. Yeah. Let's see how it pops out as a comment and a question. So this is the thing. So say I talk a lot about how I've had friends. They go back. They do the same course again. They pay the same amount of money. Then they do this other thing where like if you decide to be a coach or a teacher, which what the fuck? Now you're a coach. Now you're <laughs> going to be a coach. You with your problems that right. came into this problematic scenario with yes. other people with problems. Now you're coaching teams of people. And then you don't have to pay to relearn the curriculum. Mm. It's like, oh, that's a whole twisted, fucked up thing. So mm. now they're getting you to work for free. Mm. And then they're selling you on, well, you get to revisit the material. Now, if you work with real awesome guru expert people, masters in their field, mm -hmm. you know what they're going to do once they've trained you on something? If you come back to try it, they're kicking you out. Yeah, indeed. No, 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 no. You've already learned this. You're done. Yeah. I'm not teaching you this again. Which is ultimately so, why I left, but please continue. So that that's why like I like Eastern better because it's not this whole thing of like, we're going to draw you in and we're going to keep abusing you and taking your money and taking your money and taking your money and not, and, and it's like a drug addict, like, right? Yeah, there's you definitely, know, um, and there's people that keep parallels. taking the beginning courses and they don't need to be, yeah, or, or they shouldn't, or, you know, the, the person in charge should help the person accelerate to the next level or not kick them out, but use that Eastern philosophy of, you know, evolving, moving on. It, it's not about stagnation and staying in the same place. And like that bullshit of like, Oh, you always get something new. And when you revisit, sure you do, but it shouldn't cost you an arm and a leg yes. and it shouldn't cost you your time. Not with you with school of practical philosophy, but I'm talking about with landmark and choice center where now you're going, you're giving your time, which time is money. You're giving your time. You're relearning, quote, air quotes, the curriculum <laughs> as you're coaching people. And you're getting high off their high, off your high, off Hopefully. their high. Hopefully. That's a best case scenario. And, yeah. and I just think that it's unethical. So, again, agreeing with everything that you just said. Of course. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, of course that's unethical. And so... School of Practical Philosophy, again, coming back to their example. So first of all, very low paywalls. Cost is, you know, not prohibitive in just about it 100. It shouldn't be. What did you tell just me? Just about 100% of cases. People's time costs money. Enlightenment is free. Huh. Boom. I say some shit sometimes, huh? Yes. All right, yeah. People's time costs money. Enlightenment, Enlightenment is, is free. free. There you go, people. So very low paywalls. Cost was not prohibitive. It just about 100% of the time with the School of Practical Philosophy. I had great teachers. I was very, very fortunate. Uh, Mr. Fox, love you if you're out there. See the teachers, also Mr. Dan, Cooper. Not life coach Also Joe Mr. Posnick. I, I was part of a men's group after I got to a certain point in the school. The teacher would change periodically because the group needed to be broken up. The energy needed to be refreshed. We would come back occasionally with great intention to material that we'd covered before, but it was always in the service and understanding of quote unquote deep work. Mm -hmm. This is, it was never sold to us. Here's the thing, just, you know, first it was never sold to us. 
I was never told or uh, it, it was never implied to me for any reason other than I had a positive experience that I would go tell somebody else about the School of Practical Philosophy. I never felt any pressure or need whatsoever to proselytize or, you know, mm-hmm. go get 10 of my friends. In fact, I didn't talk about it much because as mentioned before, I was doing weird jobs and playing music and tending bar. Nobody else I knew at the time was going to the School of Practical Philosophy and part of a men's group with men mostly like 15 to 20 years older than them. Mm-hmm. I was having a very unique experience, I felt. So again, and then it all just came back to meditation. I mean, if there was anything we ever did Practically, it was sit in chairs with our eyes closed and take deep breaths. Mm-hmm. We weren't worshiping a goddamn thing. That sounds lovely. It honestly was. And then, you know, the last thing I'll say, which you had a noticeable and totally understandable reaction to, offering service, giving back, and the idea of people being there, no, no paid employees. Everybody's offering their time. At the time and still to this time. And of course, I do acknowledge this can go wrong in so many different ways. And, you know, I probably, maybe I should have been focused more on my career instead of serving people tea or something. And No, I wasn't suggesting that. I was just well, trying to imagine what else you were doing at that time. In your no, life. and I mean, listen, there were, it was such an interesting relationship. It still is because, of course, there were many people there that were in need and looking for answers and probably also wanted to know how to make more money. Mm-hmm. But then you also had... Like I mentioned before, many of the teachers in the school were local business leaders and people doing amazing things that were there to freely offer their knowledge as they could. Yeah. You know, there was an ideal that just about most of the people I came into contact there with genuinely aspired to. So there was an inspirational aspect. And then the connection to my father and the last thing I'll say about it, which I like and I dislike, the school was low key about it. Frankly, yeah. the school, and it still is, relatively egoless. If anything, their marketing is kind of shitty and dumb. They've got these subway ads that like people see around, but nobody knows what to make of. They're another one of these organizations, like I was asking you before. Are they doing a good enough job of making their message, their message clear and what yeah. they do? I don't think they are. But I don't think they're that concerned with it either, frankly. And for that reason, you know, who cares? Yeah, I feel like, you know, do what you want. Enter these programs with caution, but the end of the day, I just have a real strong reaction to exploitation and people taking advantage of those who actually probably need some other guidance, some other type of mental health service. So here's a question for those people to speaking directly to them, because we were once them. Mm -hmm. I'm still them. I'm I'm still them too. What, because uh, so much of what we're talking about too, remembering we're on the other side of so many experiences now that we can have the benefit of saying we've survived them and digested them. And now we have these feelings for somebody who's 20 years old right now, who's looking, who's in the search Mm -hmm. and maybe even towards the beginning of it. What, what can we give them to, to guide them and to guide their own search for their own identity and answers and questions, the right questions. Oh, I don't know, because it's a completely different generation now. I mean, they, they're they so self-empowered. You kids in your text messaging. <laughs> but they just, they feel so highly of themselves. They think so highly of themselves. Do they? I think so. I mean, it could be a a, a, a facade and, and it just, you know, be 
sort of covering, um, you know, insecurity, but I mean, what 20 something year old person isn't insecure at some point in their life. But I don't know. I mean, like I was saying, some of these things aren't very modern any longer to me. Like I I think that ancient wisdoms are the things that we should, Mm. um, are always worth checking out. For sure. The Tao Um, Te Ching and Art of War. Yeah. So I think sticking... Marcus Aurelius's meditations. Sticking with history, I think, is the best way to kind of explore spirituality. I think religion is really interesting to get into like theology. I think that there are a lot of, you know, interesting hallmarks that if you're looking for a good entry point to religion too, Joseph Campbell is a good one. Yeah. I mean, everything about, you know, symbolism Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, iconography and mythology, like all, all of that stuff is endlessly fascinating. But if you're looking for a quick fix, um, there is no quick fix. Yeah. Like the, these courses, they're going to take your money and they're going to give you kind of false empowerment. Um, it might be genuine empowerment. It might be genuine empowerment, but I just feel like if it's genuine, then it shouldn't cost so much. People's time costs money, but enlightenment is free. Yes. And I think that that's a good segue. Hmm. I just want to touch on this briefly because of time. Um, You know, spiritual cults, they're spiritual cults, right? Of course. Um, And there's a lot of like cool documentaries that we've been recently seeing on Netflix. One was the Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh. Did you watch that? I did. It was months ago. And yeah, honestly, good. they all kind of blur together too, don't they? they? All, they're like the same thing. They really, yeah. yeah, a lot they, of... They all have like the fancy cars and all of the women wearing the same color clothes and the men and... Um, I feel like there's a script we're all getting used to, too, where it's like in the first act, it talks about how they gained popularity and then gained yeah. money and attention. In the second act, they have too much power. We see like, you know, these are what the meetings looked like. This is what the fashions were like. This is the time yeah. they were in. And then the third act's like, you know, oh, they were doing so much cocaine in this car, like it, all this money. So, ah. And everybody's really, traumatized and it's all terrible. It is funny because I have on here, you know, spiritual cults and then health cults and Two of them kind of blur together. Like the two yeah. categories blur together a little yeah, bit yeah. for me because I was thinking about the Bikram yoga guy. Right. Bikram. And well, then again, I was thinking Venn, Venn diagram, Hollywood <laughs> and spiritual cults overlap. Yeah. And basically and I, a circle. I just keep thinking of like what I was saying to you last on one of our episodes about, you know, not having a guru and gurus. And it's weird, like when you hear these people retell their experience of like meeting what James Baker, Jim Baker from the Mm. source family, like, Oh, he had an aura around him. And he, I just looked into his eyes. It's like, well, yeah, that's what you needed to fucking hear in the seventies. Okay. Mm. Like you weren't loved by your father in the same way that, you know, our fathers maybe love us now because everyone's like waking up or woke or whatever you want to call it. But I think, you know, it's just so funny to me that, you know, People were so easily to like check their intuition at the door, empty their bank accounts and follow these leaders. But then the other part of me is like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Like, what would that be like to just surrender in that way and go into this, you know, like go on to, to a commune or like live like this? Um, I have mixed feelings about it, but I just don't like. Because the, the the first part of these documentaries are always like, oh, you know, it was like a utopia. It was like Eden. And then you hear about like 
all of the raping and yeah. the the abuse starts with the honeymoon phase yeah and the the mind control like especially what happened with jonestown like so exploitative and terrible and like I, we won't go into that one but because that one actually makes me so upset but um the source family was kind of like the funniest one mm-hmm. because they <laughs> just like had the vegan the restaurant man vegan restaurant what LA. was it called again uh what was it called do you remember bobby you remember the name of the restaurant it had it changed names too i remember that yeah because they needed to rebrand yeah <laughs> Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, okay, L.A. It was called the Source Restaurant. 1970s. It's in Woody Allen's Annie Hall, right? Yeah. It's also in a few other movies. Yeah. And they would also, like, cast... I was listening to something where they had to cast a bunch of boys in hollywood that all look like jesus and oh, so they gosh. just went to the source family oh, gosh, yeah. and and got all of the jesus looking i mean how many men. deals were made over salads at that restaurant how many oh my God. young actors and actresses went there and became part of the cult or yeah. were part of the cult and became part of hollywood again in a venn diagram hollywood and, and spiritual cults are kind of yeah. a circle and you know i think it was really interesting because it was connected to, and also kind of like with the Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, they are about like healthy eating and purification and sure. stuff. But then there's this like other weird side where it's like perversion and greed and they're all driving Bentleys yeah. or Rolls Royces. And it's like, wait, what? And then it's like, oh, guess what? We're all human. <laughs> there are no gurus. If a guru is driving a Rolls Royce, there's a it just means they fucking problem. Like nice cars and have to have yeah. a lot of money. They're just human, right? And that's the problem that I'm having is that we're not looking to one another as humans with infinite intelligence that we can just share with each other. We have yeah. to sit on the floor and look up to one person. So one concluding question, maybe I guess two really. Okay. The first is what are your feelings about gurus? Mm-hmm. And the second is you know, just ultimately, do you recommend people even look for these organizations? Like, what do you, what should people be doing? What should we be looking out for? Um, so first, gurus. How do you feel about gurus? No. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's unnecessary. And to your point before, which I agree with, the guru absolutely has to have boundaries. You know, the guru needs to kick me the fuck out. Yes. When he or she has taught me what I was there to learn. Yeah. And they should not let me back in. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a tough love aspect to it. I I do believe worshiping other humans is a dangerous thing. Well, I don't know, dangerous is a dangerous term. Is it precarious? <laughs> but you know, it it can just it walks a certain line. It just walks a certain line where you know, we were talking about superstition recently, mm-hmm. or we can begin to assign and project all variety of superstitions throughout our life. So what was the other question? The you other question. Me. Yeah. As I answered the question. No, but <laughs> that you, I asked, no, you. I, I, asked I, I answered. Last question was, do you recommend people seek out these organizations in general? A school of practical philosophy, TM, what should people look for when they are doing some kind of self-help or spiritual seeking? Look both ways before crossing the street. Nice. Yeah, go on. How about that? Go on, yeah. And the other thing I would say is we now live in the culture of looking and seeking and trying to fill voids. Mm. And I think it's more about 
listening than it is looking. Mm. And when I think about seeking, I think that we're on this planet because we are seekers or spiritual entities, whatever you want to call us, you know, sacks of flesh with desires. And um, we're seeking something, you know, sometimes I'm seeking a good salad or, you know, I'm, I'm seeking a good movie. But I think that what what I'm trying to communicate with with all of these weird things that I'm that are coming out of my mouth right now is that the obsession with the seeking, I think that's why I, I say I want to do more listening, even though we're talking our faces off on a podcast. It's the listening, it's the tuning, it's the going inward. And I think the exorbitant amount of intake mm. is not a good idea. It's taking in all of the courses, all of the Zooms, all of the workbooks, all of the, the, the classes and the this and the that. I think that that shuts down the listening mm. and brings us further away from going inward and tapping into our intuition. And this is something we'll get into when we talk more about books, mm-hmm. which is, sounds like such a mysterious thing, me just laying it out like that. But I think that when you have so much going on in your life, in your mind, in your house, in your friends group, in your family, and you don't have that quiet time to reflect and to listen, you can't be open to the wonderful gifts of like the human experience of getting answers, Mm. getting self-direction of, oh, yeah, you know, I was told to do this or this or that or check out this or this or that. But actually, if I just get quiet and listen, I am naturally inclined to have something arise that feels in alignment with what I desire. Like maybe I want to learn to play the piano, but I'm busy taking this course and doing this thing and my friends have this group going on and I'm doing that and I'm signing up for this and I'm doing morning pages It's like you don't want to be assigned spiritual pathways. Hmm. You want to discover them. And I think that that really comes from like getting quiet. So if anything, I mean, maybe play around with meditation a little bit because that is going inward and that is getting quiet. We certainly do advocate for meditation. Yeah. But yeah. Beautiful. People's time costs money, but Mm -hmm. enlightenment is free. Mm -hmm. Take your authority with you Mm -hmm. at all times. Do not forfeit your authority in these classes, trust also, one last thing, you know, look for actual kindness, benevolent people, cheerful people, happy people that you would want to learn from that are a little further down the path than you. If somebody's super aggressive or angry or making claims of having answers or some solution nobody else has. Or trying to enroll you. These are red flags. (laughs) You don't necessarily need to run like hell. Just be aware. Just register it. And when there's too many of them, then you might want to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, thank you very much for listening today. Thanks, guys. Thanks for talking, Jessica. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. And we'll see you next on the next episode of Mindspace Minimal. Bye. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. 
visit mindspaceminimal.com and email us at mindspaceminimal at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E-M-I-N-I-M-A-L.com. Keep it minimal and keep it moving. Thanks again for listening.